To character concerns as we sit one week before the draft. Jay Binkley, Chris and Ocero. Nick, we'll do, uh, we've been talking big plans for what we're going to do. I know what you're doing, Julio. I know what you're doing, Julio. I know what you're doing, Julio. It's just a good song. I mean, uh huh. I, I don't know what you're I know what about. you're doing, Julio. You didn't see that email from Spec? I, I didn't. We're not supposed to be bringing this stuff up on the air. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You I just what, play you know, good music. You, you know what I'm talking about, Every Julio. Week. Every week, it's a, good, it's a great song. Rick James, that's very that's God rest his soul, very legendary singer. That's right. But I know what you're doing, Julio. I sure. see you. Sure. Anyways, I thought this was a. Uh, you think you slick? I, I don't. You're not. You're, you're not about. slick, yeah, Julio. No. Thought we were talking draft. You know. Well, this is a draft show, and we're talking draft for the next three hours. Right. You heard us last week. Well, this we uh, coming up Thursday is gonna be fun. Chris, yes. I, Nick Schwart, all uh, next week is gonna concerns, be fun. Crew. Yeah, there's stuff every night. Tuesdays, uh, Nick Schwartz MCing with the uh, Mitch Schwartz is down there. Nate Taylor's down there at the Landing in Liberty, 630. They'll be down there. They'll be a lot of fun. Um, Wednesday, that watch party down there at uh, Jefferson's. Thursday is all hands on deck. Because me, you, and Nick uh, will be here for the, uh, the we'll draft coverage Thursday. We'll be here for Friday Thursday, first round. Rec Deck, Boulevard Rec Deck will be recording gold is uh, that night, uh, Dirty, War- Dirty Werewolf, Dusty Likens will be on the uh, red, red carpet. carpet. Uh, Carrington and, and Rob will be on the uh, social media channels. And then Bob and Josh um, will be downtown as well. Yeah, so, we're jam-packed. Every, all hands on deck. Everyone's going to be helping pitch in to make this uh, a great first-round coverage. And then, uh, yeah, Friday night, me, you, Nick, going to be down there. At Cinderblock Brewery, and uh, we're going to be covering rounds two through three after ro- the Royals coverage is done. And uh, yeah, we we will have a we have a special beer. Wait till right? you see the special beer for you guys. In, it's a draft, what is it? It's a what draft is it? Beer. What is it in? What is the word that a is a firkin? Okay, I had to be careful. I didn't want to say it wrong and have to dump it. You guys make so. me nervous every time. I know. Said it. Every time. The first time he said it, I was like, I gotta dump that. Like I was, I was a little worried when he said it the first time. A full three hours. We did a mock Chiefs draft once again this week. We haven't done craziness with it as far as four, five, six, oh, seven, oh, eight, oh, nine, oh. You name it. We've done three so far, and plus we've done one full NFL mock draft. Just stay consistent. Kind of what we're doing. Just throwing darts is kind of not what we want to do. It's stay consistent with the picks that we think fit uh, with the Chiefs. We'll get into that mock draft more and more on why we took certain positions. We won't necessarily have to get so deep into which player we took, we can, uh, and try to make that point. But as far as the position group we took, we'll get that. Matt McGowan, a reporter from the Kansas City Chiefs. See him all the time. He does stuff with Mitch Holtus yes. each and every week. Uh, he's great. Um, he's outstanding what he does. He's coming in here, and he'll be here for an hour. Looking forward to Matt McMullen at 630, because we usually have that special guest. We've chatted. Yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to big-time celebrity here. Or this. Yeah, like last big-time name. Thor. Yeah. Yeah, we got Thor Nystrom last year. I mean, the last week who had all the shade for Jalen Hyatt, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get our our, our Chiefs guy to come. Well, this on week, here. one of the big questions is: uh, Chiefs bring in a top thirty visit, and a top thirty visit is they get thirty visits, so thirty different players they can have come to Kansas City. They work them out, they get to know them, they talk to them a little bit, and it's a smokescreen in the NFL. Oh, look, Quentin Johnson came to visit the Chiefs. They must be interested. The latest, which he has been here, by the way, the wide receiver from TCU, Quentin Johnson. Also, he worked out with Patrick Mahomes, who's down at TCU with Camp Pat. 
They worked out with him. The Chiefs are doing something really unusual, and it's really cool what they're doing. But Zay Flowers, arguably the first or second best receiver in this year's draft. Top 30 visits, go down and visit Camp Pat. Go down where Travis Kelsey is, Mahomes, uh, Kadarius Tony's down there, Sky Moore's down there. They're all The whole group is down there catching passes at TCU from Patrick Mahomes. We'll say Flowers went to Camp Pat. And this is a brilliant move by the uh, Zay Flowers agent. It's a brilliant move for Zay Flowers to do this, catch passes from Pat Mahomes. Because what happens if Patrick really, really, really likes you and he gnaws, you know, on, on the feet there of Brett B saying, hey, got to do what we can for Zay Flowers. But they're going to have to trade up big time to get a guy like Zay Flowers sitting where they are at 31. But this is a brilliant move. It's also a brilliant smokescreen the Chiefs are doing. And they also learn a lot about Zay Flowers as well. Yeah, I, 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 you listened to Brett Veach earlier. We'll, we'll have some clips from him later on in the show. But he kind of tried to distance himself from this and the team from this. Saying, oh, this is this was his agent talking to to Pat's people, and they, you know, they they set this whole thing up. I don't know if I buy that. I the Chiefs have been very involved in the whole Camp Pat process, and I do believe that they probably. They, they very quietly from behind the scenes were like, you know, okay, you know, see if we can, you know, see if you can get this and that and look at this. And Pat's probably given them the evaluation on, on what he saw from those two guys. I, I very much believe that the chiefs, they were very interested in hearing about this whole process. They, they, they obviously understand the whole rules with the top 30 visit thing, but these guys went outside of that whole situation there. So it, it makes it, easier for them to kind of get around those rules. But I, I think the chiefs are trying their best to smoke screen what they're doing. They don't want like everyone expects them to take a, re, a receiver or an edge rusher. And I think they're trying their damnedest to throw people off the scent of that. Cause then, you know, we've seen what happens when teams trade ahead of them to go get them to go get a player that we assume, or we thought the chiefs were interested in, you know, Johnny Manziel, Paxton Lynch, so I, I expect the Chiefs to be wary of that and understand that they've got to throw people off that scent, and that's why they're trying to push themselves away from that. But it is a major story, and I think it could give away what they're going to do at, at 31 if they don't trade up. It, it is interesting what they're doing. It's not, I mean, listen, quarterbacks do work out with receivers they bring in to different places, but to have it at a special place like down at TCU with Camp Pat, the second year for Camp Pat, it's a little bit earlier than it was last year. Because last year was a situation where it was during OTAs, the first week of OTAs, to let them have Camp Pat down there. Sky Moore, once they drafted him, then went down there. But this is all before the draft, where these draft picks are coming in and working out with your quarterback. I mean, this is this is well played. This is brilliant stuff by the Chiefs. It also shows you where Patrick Mahomes is. As far as, I mean, obviously they trust him. We all know that trust keeps building and building every year. But to have your quarterback being really the eyes and ears of the organization. Right, and and the interesting part about it is, like, you wonder if it's if he earlier. Don't like him, they ain't going to like him. Exactly. And so, like, and, and Patrick does have some input on, on these guys. I don't think the Chiefs are going to draft a receiver or a running back or anybody without his approval. They're not going to go out there and be like, yeah, we want we want this guy. you got to figure things out. Like, we know that that Patrick was approached about like MVS. They asked him, and, and he he gave his you know, hey, I like I like this dude. Bring him in. I guarantee you that he has a say on any player that they sign, any player that they draft. He has a say in it, and I I think if he really likes Zay Flowers, if he really likes Quentin Johnston, 
I'm pretty sure that the Chiefs are going to find a way to go out there and get that guy if, if Patrick does his best to make sure that he lets them know that this is a guy they should prioritize. I mean, it's a brilliant way to evaluate talent, see who they are, see who they are as a person, see if they get along with everybody. Let me get Travis Kelsey down there and Patrick Mahomes. got a couple Hall of Famers down there. Just kind of learning the life of the NFL. But it also is brilliant once the draft happens and they work out with Patrick Mahomes because they build that chemistry. Like, and I think other teams start to do this a little bit. They, you know, Josh Allen will take the receivers and they'll go work out or whatever. But this camp pad is much different. But anyway, Zay Flowers down with Patrick Mahomes. Also, Bart Jones, uh, arguably the top. Mm, he's my favorite tackle. But uh, when you look at mock drafts, he's number two, number three. Three, four, something like concerned. that. I think he's the best of the bunch. He's the tackle uh, from Georgia. He had a top 30 visit with the Chiefs as well. So there you go. Best offensive lineman or top two or three offensive lineman, top one or two receiver meeting with the Kansas City Chiefs, who sit 31 and have a GM says that. I don't know how far willing to trade up, which will bring you Brett Veach's cuts because he did talk today, and he has gleaned a little bit of information the last couple of years when he's spoken. Yeah, I I, I don't know how much I'm buying into the Broderick Jones meeting. The Chiefs are very much a team that likes to smoke screen. They like to throw people off. Today, Brett Veach was talking about... Yeah, because the chances are when they draft somebody, the question is going to be, did you talk to the Chiefs? They're nah, no. nah, I didn't, I didn't speak to him at all. Like, I, I I, just don't know if I'm buying this one. Like, even the, they did talk to Quentin Johnston, too, and, and certainly he was he's down there at Camp Pat, so there is a possibility that they could really be interested in him. But they I just kind of too wanted much to... into that because he's a TCU receiver and they're at exactly. the TCU facility. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, they did, they did bring him in. He was so brought in. It, there's a possibility there could be some interest and they're kind of getting a second opinion on him, seeing how he runs routes with Pat. And, and so certainly there could be something there. But the Chiefs kind of told us today that that probably isn't really where they're going to go. So if they're... Which I'm not buying. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of think that they are well, actually no, I'm not talking about receiver, I'm talking about linemen. I'm talking about I'm talking about the O line. I don't really buy the idea of them using a high pick on a on a on a potential right tackle. I to me, that just seems like something that the Chiefs they made the big splash already at the left tackle spot, and they've kind of gone band-aid route with the right tackle spot. So I I kind of lean into thinking that they're probably not going to go out and use too many valuable picks on the tackle. So this to me just seems like it's uh let's, let's see if we can get ideas into other people's heads that maybe we're not going to go take a receiver. Chief general manager, Brett Veach did have his press conference addressing the draft. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a second, but he did have his thoughts on camp Pat that we're talking about. I think it has more to do with the, the power of Pat Mahomes. I mean, these guys are, it's funny because these guys are working out all over the country and and i think it's uh, it's no secret pat's down there on a college campus and he's working out with um pro players from other teams he's working out with college players i think some high school players are, are there so these good players and the agents they know where the good players are and um they connect and and you know they have a workout but um you know i think i don't think it was a secret it wasn't like it was a a private indoor facility that was closed off to the public i mean there was a lot I think a documentary on Patrick going on right now, so there's a lot of cameras there. But no, it was just a really good job by the agent and the player to just get in, get in contact with those guys and, and get in the throwing lines. And um, I think it was really smart by the kid and, and the agent. So, um, but Pat has a lot of fun with that. I think it's really cool that he's welcoming to all these guys, whether it be other players from other pro teams, college guys, or even high school guys. It's pretty cool that um, those guys get to say that they threw Pat Mahomes. He's getting to that status now when they draft guys. They know exactly when they're taken. They think Patrick Mahomes. They just do. I mean, he's got that stardom now with these guys. Solomon 
high school, now college, because when you look at it, it's now, you know, back when they were in high school, uh, a lot of these players, and he is the number one thing in the NFL, and the fact that, you know, you bring him in the camp path, this goes a long way because these guys talk. They talk to each other. And other receivers say, that. whoa, 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 you're down there catching passes from Mahomes? What's going on there? What are you, what are you doing, Zay? What are you doing? The Chiefs going to move up? And then other teams are wondering, hmm. Then all of a sudden they start calling the Chiefs. Hey, what would you come up to pick nine? Would you come up to pick ten? Which direction are you going? And they shouldn't do that because what they should do is concentrate on who the Chiefs are going to take and want to take them because the Chiefs have been smarter than everybody else in the draft. That's why they 22, 21 of 22, the last 22 picks are still on the roster and or practice squad. Yeah, they've been and, – and I think this is also good from a, a free agency standpoint because you could have some good veteran receivers that – like we, we've seen like Justin um, – was it Justin – was it uh, – no, 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 uh, John Ross – he is he's down there as well, and he has been working out with them. And not to be confused with Justin not, Ross. Not, with, not fa- Justin Ross. We're talking, we're talking about the, the guy who got taken the pick before Patrick Mahomes did in 2017. Fastest guy ever. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's a guy that's been down there catching <laughs> passes from, from Mahomes as well. There certainly is the possibility that someone like him could find a, a roster spot, if not in Kansas City, somewhere else. And this is a way for them to jumpstart their, their careers there. But if you've got these receivers who are on the free agency market who don't really have a big market out there and you catch passes from Mahomes, maybe Mahomes puts in a good word for, for that receiver for the chiefs and chiefs bring him in. It's a great way for you to scout potential talent for the team. Or if you have a lot of questions, you say, you know what, let's bring in right. Pat. Exactly. Exactly. So like there's, there's a lot of good that can come out of this, this whole situation. Right. <laughs> I'd love for them to bring in. Well, he's I, a smokescreen, man. That's the guy they want. I, 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 and if they end up taking him at 31 or they end up moving up and taking him, then uh, I think we kind of know that maybe that's one of the reasons sure. why. And a lot of different mock drafts have been coming out today. Five quarterbacks sometimes in some of these mocks being drafted, which is good because that puts the Chiefs, you know, drafting basically 26th. And then all of a sudden you take Jameer Gibbs, which I don't think he's going in the first round no. at all. Bijan Robinson will. And then, if, then a Gonzalez, you know, goes a corner, and all of a sudden you're looking. The Chiefs are picking like 21 or 22, and then they don't have to worry about 21 picks in front of the positions they need. Brett Veach did comment on several things, and keep in mind, the last two years he's gleaned something to pay attention to. Will he do it again this year? We'll check it out next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Character Concerns. Jay Binkley with Chris Inocero, Nick Schwartz, part of our crew as well. But he'll be back on Tuesday. And Julio Sanchez producing the operation. And Matt McMullen. Uh, Chiefs reporter works for the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming in here with us, your questions welcome as always. 913-586-7610, Jay Southland Toe Service Text Line. 913-586-7610 this is more appropriate, for that. This is way more appropriate. Julio. I feel like it's less appropriate. This is very appropriate. I'll go with well, it. Well, Brett Veach, the last couple of years, when you listen to the uh, the pre-draft press conference, because a lot of these are mostly smoke screens around the league. Oh, Guys yeah. are interested in whatever. Most, and most times you hear that, but... Beach has always thrown a nugget in there that's 100% right on how he feels each and every year. This is what he said two years ago about that second and third round. Mid two to early three area is going to be a hot zone. Uh, I think that that's really where there's a big fall off. The hot zone. 
So what did he do? He traded for Orlando Brown. They sent pick 58 with him. Pick 58 turns into Nick Bolton, the second leading tackler in the NFL. Score that one up for Brett Veach, giving us exactly what he was going to do. Yeah, they they give away. I mean, there's always something. There's always something. I, I know you you about to fire up that other one here, but they always give up something that you can take away, and you're like, okay, I think we know what we're doing. Let's last fire year, that other one up. Last year, though, Chris, it was this. The running back class this year, it's, it's really crazy because when you factor in that COVID year last year um, and some of the guys that stayed in school, it's there is – I've never seen such a large group of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round running backs. And it's like the names go from the top of the ceiling down to the bottom. So there'll certainly be a, I, I told the guys, my prediction is there'll be a thousand yard rusher that is an undrafted free agent or seventh round pick just by the sheer volume of numbers. So Brett Veach basically said, I don't like running backs early. I like them in the seventh round or undrafted. And what happens? Isaiah Pacheco. Score another one for Brett Veach last two years. It's amazing how. He kind of, you know, leaves a little hint of what he's going to do in the draft. He still finds a way to just slam dunk it every time. What will be the nugget for Brett Veach this year? Who knows? He did say this today, talking about trading back. Will the Chiefs be interested in trading back this year? Um, You know, I don't don't think it would would be hard at all. I I know there was a lot of joking last year about Clark saying you can't trade a pick. And, um, you know, listen, maybe there was some truth to it. um, But... I think that applied more to, uh, you know, in the off season or like last summer, you know, I mean, we're here now. So I think a trade down is part of the draft and it gives people more of a reason to come back um, on Friday and see us um, do even more work. But that's, I think we're at the party now. So it's all, it's all up in the air. And, and I think anything's a possibility. So that's the big question there. Would the Chiefs dare trade back? Well, here's the deal. People, if everybody's down there at the draft anyway, you're there to have a good time. You're there just to enjoy things with you. You don't know. Maybe the Chiefs trade up. Maybe they trade back. You're not sure what they're going to do. Or maybe they sit there and make their pick at 31. Regardless, you're still going to have fun. But again, it's not the Chiefs' job for you to get a pick that night because, you know what, Friday night might turn into a real party. Second, third round. Chiefs might get in that hot zone once again by trading back. If their board doesn't line up with what's happened, then they should not use that first round pick they should trade back if it, if that if they because we, we talked about this in the last hour with uh with uh c dot on the drive and we said there's a good chance like let's say they want to go edge rusher first round there's some depth there where they could potentially trade back into the early second and still get the guy they want yep because they're there's a lot of guys out there that are going to be really talented in this class. And let's say like Will McDonald's sitting there and I don't, n- neither of us think that Will McDonald's going to be the guy that they take if they go, if bad. they go ahead, he just doesn't fit what they like. And let's say they, they, he's sitting there and they're like, yeah, we don't really like this guy, but a team really does like Will McDonald. They want to take him at 31. Well then the chiefs absolutely should maneuver out of that pick, get some more value back and then go get the guy that they really like. Let's say it's like FAU from KS from K state. They could go and they could maneuver around and they could get more value there. I don't think they should just take a pick at 31 just because it's here in Kansas city. Well, it's, teams know where these guys played high school ball. They know where they played, you know, in college. They know the Kansas right, Chiefs right. are all over certain players. It's, it's part of the big smoke screen. And last but not least, as far as Brett Beach, he doesn't see trading up too high in this draft. Again, Take these things for a grain of salt or a smoke stream. But again, last two years, as I said, second, third round, hot zone two years ago. He was 100% right. Last year is we'll get a running back in the seventh round or undrafted. And that's exactly what he did. What will it be this year?
we'll have a list of guys that you know we'll, we'll feel like we want to be aggressive on, um, and, and if it works out number-wise, I think we'll sit there in 31, and we'll have a few guys, and if they're there and we think it's in range, reasonable, where we're not giving up a ton, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't see us trading up too high in the draft or anything like that. But I mean, if we're, there's a guy that we really like, and and you know, we're in that range, and you know, we'll sit here in the next few few days here and determine, you know what range we feel is comfortable for us. Uh, we'll sit there and um, potentially make that move, and we'll be content with, with staying there. I'm sure there'll be a good player there at 31, and, and then certainly be open to trading back if, if all those you know guys that we had in mind are gone. So I think we'll just, I think we'll kind of see how it goes. And these things change so quickly and so fluidly. I mean, I, but I don't think we'd be opposed to, to being aggressive if, if we felt the player warranted. I will say this, my guy Tyler Algier went over a thousand yards last year. But this is why Brett Veach is the best general manager in football. You so did love you did love Algier. I did like some Tyler Algier. <laughs> he did go for over a thousand yards with his fifth round pick. This is why he's the best general manager in football. His staff. I mean, this tweet came from me. He was there in the front office with Chris Ballard and, and John Dorsey. He learned he, Andy Reid, he was with him in Philadelphia. He the best scout in the you know, the best scout with the organization of Philadelphia and Kansas City because he did the SEC, which they put their best scouts on. And he's got Brad Tillis working the contracts. I mean, it's unbelievable. Chris Shea, it's unbelievable what he does, but he takes the advice of Andy Reid. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes now working out with different players. I mean, you got all these years. And you know he's listening to them all because he always wanted to be heard. Like, if he found a player, he wanted, you know, the you know the Andy Reeds of the world, the John Dorseys, to listen. Hey, I like this player. I like Kareem Hunt. Use that as an example because we talked to Veach a couple years ago, and he was one of the guys he was watching, you know, on Maction. I always say, hey, check this guy out. Check this guy out. He was staying up late with you and watching the the matching games. There's value in the matching. (laughs) I I always say this. Like, you can tell just how good of a a franchise is a drafting by how much – how deep they go as far as scouting goes when you're finding guys at the smaller schools that not a lot of people have heard about, heard of, or have seen like a, like a, like a Jalen Watson, even though it's power five school, but nobody's talking about Jalen Watson coming out of Washington state. And yet he ends up being probably the best corner. They took the draft last year. 30 visit was important, right? Because I don't know if they were enamored by him as much as the combine last year is bringing him. Exactly. And so like that's which he could have a bad day. Everybody's got bad, but that's like a, that's like one of those deep cut, moves you make in the draft and it works out for you because you did your scouting and you were really patient and you were like, okay, let me do that extra homework on that guy that not a lot of people are talking about. That's why I pay more attention to the, uh, the fifth, sixth, seventh rounders and drafted guys that they may bring in for top 30 visits because those are a little those bit more meaningful. They, well, they want a different look at him. Hey, right. let's, let's get a different like look. Like them at bringing in Broderick Jones, like Yeah, let's, let's get a different look prob- at this Yeah, probably probably let's probably just don't fill in a visit. But yeah, when you start getting the guys for a third day, that's more interesting to me. But this is uh why he succeeds. And I remember talking to him with an interview with him when he first took over as GM, because my biggest question to him was this over at the uh during the draft, is right at the first round of the draft. Because he was always that eager guy, and Andy Reid always talked about it, saying, you know, Brett really liked this guy. You know, Brett saw this guy. Because a lot of times when Brett Beach first took over, he, you know, was on the ground as a scout watching these guys. So he wanted them to hear what he thought. And I said, hey, will you be the general manager type to, you know, kind of listen to the, the guys that were really like you, Brett? They were eager and really liked a certain player because you saw him with your own eyes. And uh, that's who he is. He listens to everybody, which is what you've got to do in that position because other people have great – Opinions coming up next. Matt McMullen of the Kansas City Chiefs is in the house to talk draft with the Character Concerns crew. Next, you're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. 
Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I thought we were going to go some Grim Reaper. So I'll never forget, I put that I put that montage together with the voice of Mitch calling that 13 Danon in the 13 seconds. Uh, 13 seconds the Buffalo still thinks about. They still think about the 13 seconds because Andy Reid, when it's Grim, be the Grim Reaper. Should have let was, me know. That was going to be, that was 65 you, yeah, you toss to, power trap. That you was, have to communicate have that to, to Julio. You can't just expect him to read your mind. We had people dressed like the Reaper. At the Bengals game last year. Yeah, and then Not what, what happened? Well, no, you, well, the, I'm just saying. Kind of lost its luster, right? If they beat right? the Bengals, the Reaper would be really popular. Get Reaper tattoos and everything. I have a t-shirt. I have a couple. You do have you a bought it. You bought a Reaper t-shirt? I fell into that track. Oh, I you did, fell. And you, I'm not probably, sorry. Next week, you're right. You're just like, man, I wish I had a bought like, that shirt. I'm going to wear it next ever. week just for both <laughs> of you. But it's Grim Be the Grim Reaper. I'm Jay Binkley <laughs> with Chris Odocero. Matt McMullen, senior team reporter. What title do you prefer, man? You can call me whatever you want. We're well, that's not draft. fair. We, 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 no, you had to give us a title. We got to put proper respect on your name. Well, so I guess I'm technically the senior team reporter. Well, I, did, I was not promoted from the junior team reporter, but I am the Chiefs team reporter. I do they podcasts right for the website. Just do whatever you want. I'm a, they a didn't tell fan, you you originally. were the senior team reporter. They just you just took the name. Well, they told me I was a senior team okay. reporter, but I wasn't okay. originally the junior team reporter okay. in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I will ask you this, <laughs> Mr. Senior Team Reporter. Yes. We saw your interview earlier with Caitlin Clark. Yeah. That uh, joined you We guys. got some questions. That okay. joined you guys, you and Mitch. Uh-huh. Did we wear shoulder pads? What's up on the shoulder pads? Bro? Okay, so Mitch wanted us to wear 22 jerseys. So typically, there's a whole, the community department has jerseys that the players wear at like hospitals and schools and everything. Those are like the jerseys you would buy in the pro shop, but they didn't have 22 jerseys ready for us. So we wore, that was Juan Thornhill's actual jersey. Oh, so is that Juan's jersey? It was like game-worn jersey? Yes. And not easy to slip on. Oh yeah, those are tight. Those are real tight. (laughs) It was brutal. If I had a sandwich beforehand, I would not have been in that jersey. No, no. Yeah. But those were Juan Thornhill's home and road jerseys. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, it was cool. That was Was awesome. Was it at least washed for you? Yes, okay. it was washed. Okay. Yeah, no nameplate. It's it's ready to go for. I guess Trent McDuffie is twenty two. Oh now. yeah, he is. Yeah. He is twenty two. It's amazing year. those things even go over shoulder pads. These uniforms. Yeah, they're so tight. I, now. I was thinking about that. They used that. to not be that way though. Remember Earl. Campbell they were all. Yeah, they were all baggy. The sleeves were hanging off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guys like them tight now because they're fast, right? McCole right. Harbin had the tightest jersey I've ever seen. But yeah, that twenty two jersey was tough. Yeah, he, right? McCole's jersey like it was painted on. That's how <laughs> tight it was. <laughs> Caitlin was awesome though. She was super cool. It's cool to see someone that became such a star and is still so grounded. And she's a huge Chiefs fan. Absolutely loves the Chiefs. Her whole family. And been here, Huge too, Chiefs right? fan. Yeah, yeah, she was here for the Seattle game. So picked the coldest game of the year, but got sideline passes, got to meet Chris Jones. And then I actually asked her on the podcast what it was like having Patrick Mahomes tweet at her after her game winner uh, against Indiana or whoever it was. Uh, but, yeah, pretty cool. She was awesome and huge Chiefs fan. Going to try to get her on the drum next year. Life's pretty good right now for uh, Camp Pat. I- I've said <laughs> last year – I said, is this Patrick Mahomes, when he had him down there for – because he had it a little bit later last year because it was during OTAs, the first round of OTAs, because the draft had already taken place and Sky Moore was there and everything else. It's so brilliant what they're doing. You know other teams are going to do it, and some of them do it in some capacity, but not like this. Not, not like this. We've seen other teams do it. They tried to duplicate the whole Alex Smith mentor, you know, the Patrick Mahomes deal. But the Camp Pat thing, to me, when you think about last season and maybe one of the biggest things to happen to the Chiefs, 
it was that. With all these new receivers that came in that kind of learned who Patrick was, because you have MVS, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be different. Big Ben with Juju. It was going to be different, these quarterbacks play, how Patrick Mahomes was and the chemistry they built up, because these these guys like liked each other. They were friends. They played video games together and everything. That, to me, was the biggest moment for the Chiefs last year was Camp Pat. I couldn't agree more. And we talked about how it could be the precursor for a really special season way back when it was happening. Because that doesn't doesn't really happen in the NFL. You don't see guys all getting together because they want to. Ego, cash, and, you know. Yeah, like in April and in May. I mean, that's their time that if they want, they don't have to be worried about football until they absolutely have to be here for OTAs or mandatory minicamp. But last year we saw all the guys, they wanted to be together to have a shot at something really special last year. And they achieved it. They won the Super Bowl. And uh, you don't try to fix something that's not broken, right? So amazing stuff from them. And one of the biggest questions of the draft now is how much do you like football? That is one of the big questions. Like these guys really, like really, really love the game of football. So 21 of the last 22 draft picks are still with the Chiefs. And see, it should be 20 of 22. But I'm throwing in Bo Peep. Or no, I'm not throwing in Bo, uh, Cornell Powell because he was on the practice squad. So that's and, why it's he's still on 20. the team. I mean, he's currently on the roster. So, so yeah. if you're in the practice squad, you're still on the roster to me. And he you, played in games last year. Yeah, he did. So you're still getting the game check. So 21 of 22. The only guy not on there is Bo Peep. That's it. This is how you win. When people say, well, Jalen Hurts just got paid. You know, is Joe Burrow going to get paid? Is Justin Herbert? Yeah, but my opinion is once you pay the quarterback, you got to win. Like Josh Allen got his money, they, they still won. Patrick Mahomes got his money, but they won a Super Bowl. Big difference. Because you got to hit on Jalen Watson's, you got to hit on Pacheco, you got to do things that are outside of what your football team is. Yeah, good luck, Philadelphia. You just pay Jalen Hurts all the money. Now you got to win because you got to prove you can draft. Because you the salary cap does exist. For all the people that didn't think it, it does exist. And you've got to find a way to win with cheap talent, and that's what they've done. Yeah, it's not easy to do because Having Patrick Mahomes, having Travis Kelsey, having Coach Reed, that obviously gives you a leg up. You're going to win a lot of games. But in order to win championships, you have to have a complete roster. And it's very difficult to build a complete roster when you don't have a lot of money to throw around because you're giving it to your superstar players. You're 100% right. You have to hit on the draft and not just the early draft picks. It has to be the guys later in the draft. And the Chiefs have done that. Those I mean, are throwaway picks. When you think of seventh no. round, you think, okay, just throw it there because the trade value charts are worth like one point, which is nothing. But yet the Chiefs had guys getting two interceptions in Jalen Watson in the postseason. You had Pacheco, and those were seventh-round picks. Right? Leading rusher in the Super Bowl, Isaiah yeah. Pacheco. Jalen Watson getting those picks in the postseason. And it's not just those guys. If you look at Sky Moore's punt return against the Bengals that set up Harrison Butker's game winner, look at the guys that were blocking on that punt return. It's guys like Jack Cochran, an undrafted free agent rookie out of South Dakota. Nazi Johnson, the final draft pick for the Chiefs last year. Brian Cook, second-round pick. Uh, Joshua Williams, I think, was in there as well out of Fayetteville State. Just to find these guys and to have them contribute right away and for it not to be too big for them, if you take just a couple of those guys off this roster, the Chiefs don't even make the Super Bowl last year and to think that in their rookie season they all contributed and won a championship it gets you so excited for what are the Chiefs going to do this time around with 10 more picks in this draft the most impressive thing is that when I'm talking about the 21 and 22 that does include a draft that came during the pandemic which was the hardest time in national football history to draft because there was no combine you only had conference games with these teams no non-conference games so if you put a lot of stock into the uh, cultural playoffs I'm sure but that was and medicals were coming in late. Some of them medicals weren't even coming in until the night of the draft. That was the toughest. That's why so many third, fourth, and fifth-round picks were cut around the league that year. They just weren't who they thought. 
and the relationships that you have with coaches around the league and around the college ranks is what was so important during all of that because it's not just like the scouting staff doesn't just after the Super Bowl say all right let's start building our board this is something that's built over the course of years and that's something that stuck with me when I talked to Mike Borgonzi who's in the Chiefs front office Mm -hmm. at the combine last year they have area scouts that are watching these guys their entire college career they live in these areas and they know everything about these kids so that if one of their players is drafted, they know every single thing about them. And not every front office is like that, where they really truly commit to these later rounds. You would think that it would be because that seems obvious, but the first, the second, and third round, that's the important stuff to a lot of teams. To the Chiefs, that's obviously important, but to hit in the sixth and the seventh round to find these guys and undrafted free agents as well, that's really where they've made their money lately, and it's led to two championships in four years. Yeah, that's probably the thing that really jumps out to me. Like yesterday, I was going through and looking at the draft classes from like, past Chiefs starting year 2000 and you look at third day well at that point it was second day picks because they the draft is only two days and, and you look at those guys four through seven and like a lot of those names like never really touched the field at all other than special teams and then you look at the team the last couple years especially last year and you've got guys on that roster who were drafted and immediately started playing like Pacheco immediately first game of the season. They led the team in rushing. Um, and when they, when they played the Cardinals immediately, you've got impact players in your secondary there where Jalen Watson gets the pick six against the chargers week two Thursday night football. And then obviously what he did in the playoffs, it to me is just amazing how they can be obviously laser focused on the first two days. Cause again, those are your highest value picks. But then third day, in the past, we were kind of trained that, you know, you're just going to take shots in the dark. And you look at the team now, and it's like those picks are almost as important as the first two days of the draft. And they've shown that at certain spots, like obviously Canadian Doctor, they hit on that. Um, Trey Smith, they hit on that. And, and Tyreek Hill hit on that. Demarcus Robinson hit on that. And you're looking at all these different guys and they're still able to find contributors at numerous positions of value on the third day. And it's just so weird because not very many teams can do that that often. And I know these teams have scouts everywhere. I think one thing that's helped since 2000 on that is the amount of teams on TV. Because almost every team has right, some right. TV contract or you can watch the games. Where Instead, you had to send manpower. When they do, they send manpower out there. But there's also a lot of times you can sit back and watch them on film because all these games are on TV. That's what's different about the past. And I enjoy what Brett Veach said today about how all the pro days are televised now, too. So you really can never sneak anything by anyone anymore because everyone's committing so much time to this. One of my favorites, though, was Tershawn Wharton from a few years ago. We can't forget about Tershawn because he got hurt last year, but an undrafted free agent from Rolla, Missouri S&T. It's a hard school to get into, by the way. Yeah, but just down the road. I mean, to find a guy like that, Mitch and I were watching training camp. It was at the facility because it was during the COVID year, and we had to watch from a distance. But we didn't know much about Tershawn except for his crazy college stats, but we were watching him with the ones, and we're like, uh, (laughs) do we have somebody here? And obviously, (laughs) over the last few years, he's been a very good player for this team, so... If you can find players in the later rounds and uh, as undrafted free agents, makes a big difference in the end, and we've seen that. No question about it. Matt McMullen, Chiefs reporter, senior Chiefs reporter here uh, <laughs> with us here on Character Concerns. Coming up next, though, I want to ask uh, Matt what his favorite position is. Is it tight ends, a wide receiver, offensive line? Like, we all got our favorites. I want to know what yours is next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Oh, this takes me back to high school. This is a throwback right here. They're going to be here. This was, uh, I think it was my sophomore year at Ruskin High School. They're okay. going to be here Thursday night. Yeah. A little Fallout Boy? A little Fallout. Yeah, they are. And Thundercat? And Thundercat. And Motley Crue? It's a Motley Crue. I, I don't really care about Motley. Uh, I'm, I'm Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy's throwback. But Thundercat? I think Thundercat's supposed to be there on Saturday. Yeah, you already know. Play some Thundercat later. We'll come back to Character Concerns podcast on the radio. We get you covered on uh, draft weekend as well. Right here on 610 Sports Radio. The Royals are going to Alt 96.5 on Thursday night. So we have the uh, draft for you there. Friday night. Uh, the Royals are after afternoon, so we'll be at the center block with rounds two and three, yeah. which is right after they get my done. favorite night of the draft. To be quite honest with you, is uh, Friday night with rounds two and three because I think there's some real gems. I think there's going to be a ton of real gems in this year's draft. Joining us also Matt McMullen from the Kansas City Chiefs. You see him? Uh, well, he, he's all over KCChiefs.com. <laughs> Say his title. Say his title. <laughs> senior, senior team reporter. Wow. Senior team. Put report. some respect on his name. Not thank, junior. Thank anymore. you, Chris. Senior. <laughs> Never going to live that down. <laughs> I know. I turned 30 a few months ago, so no Did longer you? the really? junior team reporter. I'd have guessed yeah. you were 24. Over the hill. Yeah. Over I'd have right? guessed you were 24. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> all right. Tight end class. I, I, I really like this tight end class. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I like it as eh, probably top to bottom. I like it as well as anything, even though I could be I could be talked into a tight end in the first round. Like, I can be because I like these guys that much. And I've told you before how much I like Tucker Craft. <laughs> I think people are sleeping on this guy. This guy is Dallas Goddard to me. Only two pounds difference between them. He was a second-round pick from South Dakota State as well as Dallas Goddard. But everybody's got their favorite. It, going into the offseason was wide receiver for me because I'm just at this point where I'm like, just give Patrick all the weapons. I know he can make water in the wine, but these these elite quarterbacks have people. Like Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and you know Marino, Duper, and Clayton. I mean, he, they're great quarterbacks. They make everybody look good. Like Brendan Stokely once got 1,000 yards for the Colts or one of – but five teams in NFL history to have three receivers over a thousand yards, and Brandon Stokely was one of those guys um, with the Indianapolis Colts. What's your favorite position group, man? Can I give you two? Is that cheating? No. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, you, you break can. the rules. You, you break the rules. We break the rules all the time. <laughs> and it actually lines up with where I think the Chiefs could add. I'm going to go wide receiver and edge, which is great news if you're a Chiefs fan. The reason I say that is because I think if you look at it from a national perspective, a lot of people will say that this is a weak wide receiver draft. That might be the case if you're drafting like six overall, but I think for where the Chiefs are, where you're picking at the end of every single round, you don't have a ton of picks in the top 100. The way the depth of this class works out at receiver and edge, I think really plays into our favor where there's going to be a really good player at one of those two spots available at 31. That's just a fact. If they want to trade up, they can into the twenties. If someone's there that they really like, but even if they stand pat at 31, there's going to be a really good player there. So some of my favorite receivers, some of the guys that could be first-round options, Jalen Hyatt, for obvious reasons. I mean, all, all the things he did as a deep threat last year for Tennessee. Led the FBS in receptions of 30 or more yards with 15 of them. Also led the FBS in receptions of 40 or more yards, 50 or more yards, and 60 or more yards. Had 15 touchdowns last year. Not a full route tree uh, at Tennessee and wasn't really challenged at the line much, but he's the kind of player that you could plug in on day one and could make a difference, I think. Quentin Johnston, also for obvious reasons. The Chiefs have not had a receiver with that size and explosion combination in a long time. And we've seen him go. He's been here for top 30 visit. We've seen him go from the first wide receiver taken to maybe not even first rounder. Crazy. And the funny thing to me is they haven't played, man. 
And and people taking them off their list are people sitting at home in the uh, computers in their mom's basement who didn't time them, never seen them play, didn't go to their games, didn't go to their combine, have it sat there, and they fall, and it drives me crazy. I'm happy you yeah. said Quentin Johnston's name right because he's been saying it wrong the whole I time we've been doing it. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. He says his name wrong. Uh, you know he what? just ruins everyone. I'm glad I'm you said it roll. right. I'm man. on a roll. Well, I've been working on, you know, Felix Anudike Uzama. Yeah, I've been working on yeah. that one too. That's a tough. I one. actually know that one. So. Atatamiwa Atabare. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all these guys. With that's, these names. Yeah, that's a tough. One. Um, but sticking with the receivers, I'll get to the edge guys in a moment. Uh, those first run options, they all make sense. They could help the Chiefs on day one. But there's also some guys that could be available on day two, like Rasheed Rice, who I like a lot. He's six foot one, two hundred and four pounds, probably a second or third round pick. Tremendous body control is what really, really stands out about him. Can contort his body and go up and get the football. 16 contested catches last season, 19 broken tackles. A real physical possession receiver, which the Chiefs could use. And also Jonathan Mingo, who we were talking about when I first walked my in. Guy. Bing, Bing's guy. We mocked him, the character concerns. You mocked him, but well, yeah, you know, I was part of it. We, yeah. we all yeah. agree. I, I was a part of it, yeah. Mitch and I, Mitch Holtis and I, were doing our podcast, uh, which you can find on the Chiefs YouTube page. It's called Defending the Kingdom, and we do all this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, he was busy and we were going to do a wide receiver episode. And he's like, find a few guys you'd like me to watch and think maybe kind of the Juju Smith-Schuster mold. And I was like, all right. So I start looking at all these guys and I find Mingo. I'm like, we found him. This is the guy. I mean, he's uh, six foot two, 220 pounds, ran a four, four, six, 40 yard dash. Great size speed combination there. He can make physical catches underneath, but also can make the catches down the sideline. He's put in motion a lot at Ole Miss. Uh, he can run routes out of the backfield. Really just kind of fits that mold of what Juju did so well for Kansas City. Of course, I told Mitch this. Then the next day, everyone knew about Jonathan Mingo from their own analysis. But he can make a lot of sense uh, in the second or third round well, as I well. I think it was Todd McShay had him in the second round to the Chiefs yeah. at that point. Some have had the first round. Jim Nagy runs the Senior Bowl. Probably one of the better talent evaluators out there as far as he puts the Senior Bowl together. So, you know, this is what he had to say about uh, – Old Miss, uh, Jonathan Mingo, back in March, March 31st. This is one hot name emerging right now in league's coaching circles is Old Miss, Jonathan Mingo. Wider Seager coaches have him graded higher than many mocked in round one. 220-pound men aren't supposed to have these feet. So Jonathan Mingo's already starting to get some love uh, nationally with different people. And I love it because he, he, Peter Schrager, who was the fifth, I mean, this is really geek here, but he was the fifth-ranked mocker last year. Uh, has him going <laughs> to the Saints at 29. But I like him because I've told you, Lance Zerline said Anquan Bolden. And then, but also, but you got to talk about A.J. Brown. When that's, guys are overlooked. Old Miss wide receivers that win the second round are overlooked. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf are first-round <laughs> picks. They just are. And the Chiefs don't have that big physical presence. And not only that, but he can run 4-4-6. He can do the even jet motion stuff that you want in the slot. You don't have to worry about, you know, inside linebackers hitting him or anybody else because Jonathan Mingo's a big dude. I think it's perfect because the guy can stretch the field. He can get downfield. He can get better and better as things go. I just think he's a perfect fit for what the Chiefs are looking for because they don't have that guy. They've got other guys, you know, the 5'9", 5'10", speedsters. They've got that. But they don't have the Jonathan Mingo type, and I think that's what's so alluring. And you mentioned Rasheed Rice, a big guy. I'm thinking, you know, wide receivers five through eight might be better than one through four. That's where the depth of this class really been. And Cedric Tillman, I should bring him too. Yeah, Cedric Tillman, if he hadn't gotten hurt, might be the guy we're talking about in round round one instead of Jalen Hyatt, which is the crazy thing. Not to get off track, but talking about Jonathan Mingo and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and all these guys from Ole Miss. How is Ole Miss not winning more football games? It's a great question. Just churn these guys out. Dawson Knox went to Ole Miss. Is, isn't Lane Kiffin their head coach? 
Lane Kiffin. That's why. But he was on a but he was on a really good run last year until things kind of fell until apart from until there. you know they they started playing like a Lane Kiffin team, right? This it's is this is what they do. It's oh yeah, they're fun. They're fun, but like you you know how he how he does. He gets he recruits really well as far as like getting good talent to the NFL. Generally doesn't have a whole lot of a whole team that's going to put it together to go and compete for a championship. It's the SEC though, and the, you know the Chiefs really like SEC guys. Yeah, I and mean I, I understand why. It's I don't blame them. It's like basically the the AAA for the NFL is the SEC. So I don't blame them. I can see why they do it, but anyway, tell me that big. Do you think the Chiefs? Andy Reid will take anybody, and make them good. Like he can take anybody, and make them good. But I, I always bring this up that a couple years ago when the Chiefs played the Patriots in the regular season, Stephon Gilmore was coming straight off a uh, defensive uh, player of the year. And guess who guarded Sammy Watkins the whole game? Like it wasn't, he wasn't on Tyree kill him. Well, cause he, he couldn't cover Tyree. He was on That's Sammy why. Watkins and he even got, he even got into it. Well, but at this point, gonna... Stephon Gilmore is the top of his game at this point. Yeah. He and Sammy, even but got he into could, it on the sideline. Sammy Tyree. threw him down, but that just shows you they've, you know, and how much they wanted Juju, they've coveted that size. Maybe it's not prototypical to what they are, but they do enjoy that size. And even Byron Pringle, when he was here, was kind of more of that kind of player, a right. physical possession kind of player who can make those tough physical catches underneath. The Chiefs could use that, and they could find that in this draft uh, if they want to. What do you think is more likely? Do they, like, let's say they wanted to target a guy like Mingo or Cedric Tillman or guys of that ilk. Do you think it's more likely they, they trade up in the second round to take them, or do you think that they're going to take them late first? It's a great question. I think it depends. I think it gets back to what they think about their offensive tackle situation, because if a guy like uh, Darnell Wright is available late in the first round or Anton Harrison, and they want to pounce on a guy like that, that could change their plans for later on, in my opinion, because I think the wide receiver and edge depth is pretty deep in the middle of the second round and even maybe into the third round. If those tackles are gone, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to go with whoever the best player available is, in my opinion, that receiver or at edge. And there's going to be options there. And then maybe whoever you – what position you don't take in the first round, you could always take in the second. I really do think the strength of this draft, though, is from pick like 15 to 60. And if you can make multiple picks in that area, if you're able to do that by trading up, I don't know what Brett Beach will do, but uh, you could find some pretty good players. I like that, too, because not every team has – First round grades on everybody, twelve to twenty. The guys, they say okay, first round grades. So then it's kind of you know the wild wild west. Because no one knows after like pick fifteen. The, yeah, and then it just this becomes crazy. What was where's, where's there going to be a run? Maybe there's a tight end run, maybe wide receiver run. We don't know what kind of run, and this can happen any position really. When they get on a run, teams panic and they say we need to get this guy coming up next. Though Mavin Golan's in here with us. I want to talk about that? I want to talk about offensive line? If it's sitting there like a Darnell Wright or an Anton Harrison, what do the Chiefs do next? You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It does matter. And the funny thing for all the Tennessee players is they had, like, the game of their life against Alabama. Like, Jalen <laughs> Hyatt, did. didn't he have, like, five touchdowns against four. Alabama? Four. I think he had five. four. No, was it, was uh, it, five? it was five? I think I thought it was five. I thought it was four. <laughs> Yeah, he had a he had a monster game, and he was just burning the. I mean, literally, just single man coverage every time. Got past him, touchdown. Did you get Brian Branch out there and everything? Else? Yeah, Branch was out there though. They did. They, they weren't running Branch over the top like they should have been. After the first couple touchdowns, you think they do that? Another guy though who intrigues me at offensive tackle who has been kind of slipping lately. It seems like is Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Yeah, 
the largest human I've ever seen at six foot eight, 374 pounds. He's 40 pounds heavier than Orlando Brown. Yeah. Think about that. He's got a crazy arm length, too. It broke the senior bowl record. Seven foot six. <laughs> Our wingspan. <laughs> oh, my God. It's unbelievable. I mean, now, obviously, when you're that big, it's going to be difficult against like the Von Millers of the world. But Dewan Jones is a player that if he was there in the second round, you could probably put him at right tackle. And when you're that large, and, I mean, he can move for a player of his size. He can make some sense, too. The thing is, when you look at right tackles, they got to be just as good as your left tackle, man. When you think about Mitch Schwartz and how good he was, because – it's not like other teams are saying, well, you know, we're going to put our best pass rusher on their left tackle because that's our best offensive lineman. No, we, they want mismatches. They want mismatches in the NFL, and guys are flipping sides all the time who they're getting. So your right tackle almost has to be just as good as your left tackle because essentially it's not like teams are just sitting there going, well, we want to be fair here. They're not going to do that. They want mismatches. And it seems like every team has like two or three guys who are really good off the edge, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Especially in our division. Like you look at – uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack on the Chargers, Chandler Jones, Jones uh, Max Crosby on the Raiders goes on and on. So, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. Uh, you need as many good tackles as you possibly can, especially over the course of a long season. And especially now that so many teams are moving their pass rushers around so much and doing a lot of stunts there. Like, there's a lot of times where, like, you're you're seeing guys like Chris Jones go out there and line up on the edge. And, and you know, that's a lot of times going to be a mismatch with his level of strength. Bags loves that, man. Yeah, he loves that, and he does it. He did it. He obviously did it in the AFC Championship game. The final snap the Bengals took on offense, Chris Jones lined up against the right tackle and just killed him on that rep. Because you and want the line when they break huddle going, where's Jones? Exactly, exactly. And so when you get teams out here who are moving guys around, doing these rotations or whatnot, you, you kind of want a guy you can trust that's going to be able to do well in different matchups against different kinds of pass rushers. Cause some guys are going to be more speed oriented. Some guys are going to be more power oriented. And so if you're not able to handle a certain kind of matchup, it's going to be a problem for you. It is one of the things that we start with Andy Reid. there's a couple of positions. We'll get into it later, but backup quarterback, if you played in the NFL, I think that carries a lot of weight and also left tackle. And that's what I've always felt with the chiefs. Like it's one thing for rookie, but maybe not yet. Because you gotta, you want that experience for the blind side of a half billion billion dollar quarterback. You just do so. I always, and with Juwan Taylor, when they say well, we can move over to the left side, that's fine. Because I do believe that Andy Reid does value veteran leadership on that side of the ball and, and the experience. Yeah, yeah, just the fact that you've been around, you know what it's like to be in the NFL. You've played NFL games. Very difficult to take a guy as a left tackle in the draft and as a rookie put him there at left tackle. I don't care 